Riley Reed, your hostess and the creator of Woke Beauty, a creative studio that celebrates the inherent resilience of women everywhere. This show questions the lens of beauty and power. You'll hear unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries interwoven with my own mental health story, lessons, and philosophies. Today, I present to you a conversation I had with Sequoia Johnson almost a year ago. We talk about the wild ride of life and the evolution of her ceramics-based brand and business, The Koi Collection. A big fan of Target and bagels, Johnson is anything but your typical girl. She balances pure honesty with lighthearted dialogue in a way that puts me at ease. Her style is reminiscent of the 90s era, yet in unfathomable ways, her ceramic art has a sense of timelessness. Her pieces beautify homes, connecting functional artwork to self-love and care all over the country and even in celebrities' homes. Johnson's work isn't complicated. She leads with two simple elements, pride and joy. If you'd like to own one of Johnson's pieces of ceramic art, you can find her and her work on Instagram at The Koi Collection. So to kick things off, Koi, Sequoia, Miss Johnson, <laughs> she, her queen. Yes. <laughs> Where were you born and how do you identify with that place? Yes. Um, so I was born in Oakland, California, um, but we moved to Oceanside, California, which is like south, kind of near San Diego area. And so, yeah, I grew up there and I really identify with that place quite a bit, I think. Um, we moved to Texas when I was in middle school. Um, and so that was pretty intense, but I do find myself to be like the perfect mix of like California and Texas, which I think is like what lends itself to like my style and the fact that like, you know, I'm kind of like a mod podge of like two different styles. What does your personal style look like? I, I feel like I kind of am just drawn to, to, um, lots of color, lots of lines, lots of like textures, lots of shapes. And I think um, there is not really like a formula um, to it. I think it kind of just like, if I like it, I like it. Um, And so I think my personal style never was like limited to one color palette or one texture way or anything like that. I think it really just like hits, you know, um, multiple aspects of the people that I was like around and surrounding myself with. Um, I I remember back in high school too, people were like, you're friends with everyone. And I'm like, well, I just love everyone. Genu- generally, I'm like, you know, again, I feel like there's just so much good in people. I think it also definitely stemmed from my childhood being quite negative, um, like at home. In what ways was your home life negative if you're comfortable? Yeah. Um. So my dad was like in the military and um, I think that was a huge stressor. Like he would leave for eight months and then come back for like a couple and just like have to reacclimate to like a family with three kids and a, and a wife and, and going from like, l- like limited communication to being around and like inserted back into that um, dynamic, I think was tough. I feel like when I was growing up, I, I didn't understand it, but I knew I never wanted to be um, in, um, a family situation that I wasn't able to adapt to. 
Um, and so, you know, I think at first I was very angry and I didn't really know what was going on, but now I feel like reflecting on it. Um, I do realize that like, you know, there was just like a lack of skill and lack of, um, expression. I think that also, again, draws me to like how I love to just express myself. Um, yeah, I think, you know, everyone has their past and I think it does definitely connect. And I think for me at a young age, I knew I wanted it to reflect positivity, even though it was negative. And so I think I used, um, I don't know, I just like built an arsenal of like skills back then to, you know, kind of flip the switch where like if things were negative, you know, sometimes I would be sad or depressed or all of those things, but also like finding ways to get out of that and not, you know, sink so low um, and be able to kind of cope with no, you know, cope solo, honestly. How does all of that inform your current work and your art? So I know for sure I started the Koi Collection as like a tribute to my like high school self. I know, um, and I think I've spoken about this before, but I was not able to wear like makeup or do like a whole bunch of like extra stuff. So like braids, anything fake, my parents were like very strict about not letting me do that. So like nails, hair, makeup, things like that. Um, and so I really had to get creative. And I think that really um, informs quite a bit of what I'm doing. Um, I know at the beginning of the Koi collection, it was earrings only. And it was very specific to that because I would go to like the stores and buy earrings and then like mix match them and take them apart and deconstruct them. Um, and then really curate them to go with specific things um, that I was wearing as well, like fashion. Um, and so I think that really um, fueled the brand or the Koi collection at the very beginning. Um, and I think that's almost why it's been so successful too, because it's like an ode to my younger inner child self, um, because I think that part of me is the most interesting in my opinion. And so I really do, um, I usually say like my inner child lives here, like she really is just thriving at this point. And, you know, I'm just a vehicle to help that voice come out. So yeah, I think it's, it's extremely informative. I mean, even to, from the colors to, you know, the palette, I think when I first started doing pottery as well, it was very like earthy and very like neutral and things like that. And I did like those things, but I also really did love like the rainbow and, um, you know, crazy prints um, and things like that. Um, I even know the cow print started because my mom had gotten me these cow print, print furry shoes when I was like 10. And so it was like, yeah, I love cow print <laughs> from back in the day. Not, I mean, obviously everyone, it's full circling back, but it definitely like hits a specific vein um, for me that it really is like a tribute to like the past and, you know, giving this space for my inner child to really create and thrive. I think it's pretty incredible when you can honor the life you've lived with art. Yeah. You know, like you essentially what you do has been informed by however many years you've lived right. on earth. Right. And so that's a lot of time, you yeah. know, the most precious, valuable. Yeah aspect of life. And so when you can take all that time and all that experience and pour it into something that brings you joy and that also 
builds a career and that brings yeah. therefore joy in others, you know, yeah. um, yeah. that's just like, that's a goosebumps moment. Yeah. You know? I love that. So off of that, outside of the Koi collection, where do you find joy? Um, I find extreme joy in traveling and being just like around, out and about kind of, um, I feel like people definitely identify that as community, but I really like, like unscripted community, I guess. I don't really, I mean, I definitely go to like events and things like that, but I also like love talking to strangers. I think there's just so much magic and just, you know, talking to people that you typically wouldn't talk to. I want to say simulation, right? Like the, the experience of, you know, especially if you go to a place where you don't know the language, you really have to figure it out. Um, whether that be the language or a way for you to communicate with people that don't speak your language or vice versa. Um, and I think it's really about discovery. Um, I would say 99 of my, 99% of my um, inspiration is informed by exploration. And again, that unscripted, who knows what's going to happen, unplanned kind of um sector which I think a lot of people run from but I run towards it daily and so um yeah I would say you know things like that where um I'm really grasping at experiences that I've never had that also again just like can't be simulate simulated how did you go from earrings to ceramics why are ceramics your medium? I definitely started from earrings in order to fund ceramics because I had um, low funds and everything has been self-funded. So I knew um, I needed a kiln. I knew I needed a wheel. I knew I needed, you know, some space and some shelves and things like that. Before I was a teacher. So like the salary was like, all right, but it wasn't able to kind of supplement um, all of the equipment and um, the things that I needed to do ceramics in a more like production caliber, I guess, where it's like you're making way more work than just like five pieces here and there. Yeah. So I went from earrings to that. I had majored in ceramics in in college. And so I knew I wanted to do it. I think I was highly discouraged doing ceramics because I remember, you know, throughout college, it was just like, how are you going to make money? How are you even going to be an artist that way? Maybe you should try and do something that like has more lucrative value. And so um, I think I got a little bit lost along the way. I definitely went into teaching for the like, quote unquote, money and stability. But I did find, again, like a lot of joy in teaching. I loved my kids. Um, I just did not like the systems by any means, like the parents, the principal stuffs and that the politics. The politics have always been my kryptonite. <laughs> so um yeah. So I, I think again I kind of was like always going to come back to earrings and ceramics. Um, but again, the earrings just started as a segue to ceramics. And, um, I think even in my earlier journey too, people were like, how are you going to connect, you know, acrylic earrings with ceramics? And I was like, I don't really want to connect those things. But I think that pressure really did kind of veer me to ceramics only. And that boom of, 
you know, influx in my business in ceramics. Um, but I am highly motivated to kind of somehow intertwine them or bring them back and and have them live in this space as well. Um, I think with that being said as well, I really do want to do more experimental things. I mean, I bought like 10 canvases the other day where I was like, maybe I'll do some painting. Maybe I'll do some, um, you know, we've been doing printmaking as like family fun night. And so I think for myself, um, you had mentioned chameleon. I think I'm very much that in my art space and art practice as well. Um, I think that lends itself to why being an art teacher was so cool because it was elementary and middle school where we were doing every medium all year, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like chameleon is just truly what I embody. And I think, you know, it's not stopping. At, I don't plan to stop at ceramics by, by any means, even though that's kind of just like my bread and butter right now. You've talked about how you're not formulaic and you know, yes. just before I hit record, <laughs> we were talking about that. Um, but I do feel as a, as a witness, <laughs> as a fan, um, yes. I feel like you have a really clear brand and, yeah. um, I do think in order to have, um, a thriving social media presence, especially sure. you have to have a clear brand. Mm. And granted, like your audience will grow with you and there's something sure. really beautiful about that. But generally, if they don't know you and they're and they're going to click that, you know, tap that, tap it, they're going to tap it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> tap that follow button. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, something speaks to them that sure. has like synchronicity, you know. Uh, okay, and so, like yeah. So you know, I, I do feel like not only is it clear, it's unique. And so I want to mm. know how you did that. It's quite funny. You identify it as that because I think it's like a hot mess 24 seven. Why um, do you think that? <laughs> well, a, because as we were speaking earlier about like the formula, I don't have one. And so I find it, I find I have the same question. <laughs> how I don't know like how what is drawing people to my work but I think also in the same breath I think it is just like that rawness that creates that for me I guess everything's off the cuff I I don't really draw any of my stuff I kind of don't really sketch I really just kind of go with that flow and I think um yeah I just wonder I don't know. I guess I just don't see sometimes how that is like a clear brand identity because I feel like I I haven't seen any examples of that being labeled as a clear brand identity, but um I do feel like it is just clear that I do have like a style that I just stay true to. So I think that might answer your question. Um, where, you know, I think, you know, my fundamental basics are is like, is it shiny? Is it glittery? Is it loud? Is it, you know, lovely? <laughs> right. And so those are kind of like my guiding factors in my creation and my like curating when I'm purchasing things or anything like that. Um, and so I think that 
I guess staying true to that is kind of where my identity comes out online. I also feel like there's something um, going back to time. There's something there. Like it doesn't feel modern, but it's also Mm. modern. You know what I mean? Like it's just modern enough, but I also feel like I'm transported to another decade. I don't want to put a decade on it because – I don't even know if it's tethered to one specific decade. It just doesn't necessarily feel like the 2020s. It feels kind of like otherworldly, you know? Yeah. I mean, like looking at your, what's behind you, like you've got flowers coming out of little (laughs) cups, but then there's like soap coming out of another cup. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it looks really good. Like that could be a painting, but it's also random, you know? So I really like there. there's some dichotomy in your work. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes it really um, kind of seductive to people, you know? (sighs) I love that. So yeah, I think what you just said is definitely like my descriptor where it's like, it looks random, but it very much is curated. So yeah, I think I think what you were talking about too, in terms of time is like, you know, we're using all of our past life to inform our decisions. And I think, again, it kind of is that cast of like, you know, three, 30 years or whatever, kind of informing this decision that I'm making today Um, or 29, I'm not 30 yet, but almost there. (laughs) I cannot Um, wait for 30 for you. Best year ever. I am so okay. So side note, I basically had thought that I would make. I don't even think I thought I would make it. I just had visions of like Forbes thirty under thirty, and so I was like, oh man, I didn't make it, which obviously is totally fine. But I was like, man, my thirty year old party is gonna be that theme where it's like I fucking made it, even though I didn't, but I made it for me. I yes. totally did, and so. Hopefully I can really make that come true and like pull it off. But (laughs) essentially, yeah, I think, you know, I think it just, again, kind of comments on that thing that we're like looking for this societal, you know, validation, but also we don't really need it because like, you know, regardless if Forbes recognizes it or not, I'm fucking doing it. Like I'm doing the thing. I've got my stuff together to the point where like, I feel like I'm thriving and, you know, I'm. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So <laughs> to stay, yeah, that's, that's all I care about for you. True. Uh, and I, I totally resonate with that. Like you don't get press in a certain amount of months and you're like, am I good enough? Right. But girl, I have to say, you know, you're extremely well-spoken. You're very talented. And mm-hmm. so any publication would be lucky and blessed for you to be in their pages and more so than the coverage you would get. Please continue to say that because I think again, like thankfully I've like built the confidence to feel like, okay, like, you know, I don't need this for validation because I'm already doing it. But I think so many um, like not even young artists, right. But like people that don't know how to navigate this space, I think that's where it starts to swallow people whole Um, because I think I was starting to get swallowed whole as well. Like I was really being approached by like the top echelon, like the top, top, top brands. Um, And, you know, it was like these ridiculous asks and like insane amount of like money being thrown at it. And it's just like, you know, at this stage, like, 
I remember there was one where they were just like, yeah, we'd like to order 500 of your pieces. And I'm like, I'm at my house. Like, do you not understand? Like, I cannot produce 500 pieces in two weeks. Like, that's just not realistic. I now, again, have the experience of what it's like to actually care and actually want to, you know, I say perform, but like not perform, but just like collaborate. I think that was, I think that would be more of the word. Um, And actually, um, you know, work together rather than it be like, I'm doing work for you and you're paying me like I'm your employee because that's not the case. Um, And so anyway, I digress. My dad, I was talking to my dad because I was trying to reconsider just where I want to put my energy in this next phase. And I want to put more energy into the brand and the business that I have built. And it's easy to get off course when other opportunities come up that can aid in your elevation and that, you know, um, optically look good. Right. right. And that, that pay you and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so, you know, the the response was, you know, bet on you. Mm. Yep. Always. There is fear in betting on you, you yeah. know, because yeah. that means you're going all in. You're risking it all, even if you're two, three years old as a brand, right. you know. Right. Yep. And that honestly is what my driving force is. And I think I needed to recalibrate that for a bit. And I think, again, even talking about that, right? Like, even if you do get sucked in or start doing things you don't want to do or start, you know, drinking their Kool-Aid, I think it's okay to recognize that. I think it's okay to, you know, either tell them like you're no longer able or whatever, or, you know, finish it out and kind of like take that, um, energy and put it somewhere else. Um, But I think, yes, investing in yourself, I think is like my number one um, driving force. And I think it really just, again, speaks to everything we've been talking about in terms of like investing in my creative process, investing in how I create my brand, investing in, you know, all the things. And so I think that again, it's really difficult or I found it difficult when I had no examples but also it you don't have to even even have an example like you also can be the pioneer as like a means of investing in yourself and I think that was like advice that I was seeking in like the world and like really like doggy paddling to find um but you know I think it's so crazy because even just like all of the doubts that we have are the things that keep us like under. And I think, um, I actually, it's so crazy that we're talking about this. I'm going to get it really quick, but my friend, um, made this for me in 2017 and it says, I am Sequoia. I am the fucking shit. And I literally carry this with me everywhere. And I'm just like, yo, like reminders, like you literally have it all like anyone and everyone. But again, like we have to like pay attention to that voice because the more we dumb it down, the more we kind of get lost. But again, getting lost doesn't mean we can't crawl out of it and like then recalibrate and re, you know, readjust and get back on to a track that we are in control of. 
you're just sparking so much in me today. So thank you for having me here. I think even of like Black artisans. I think if you looked at my work and had no idea who I was, you would not be like, oh, like, you know, maybe a Black person made that. And I think that almost, again, speaks to the transcendence of my work, I think, is because like, I find it so interesting that like, I have made it out of like the net almost like the, the oppression webbing. And I feel like, you know, in the same breath, like maybe not completely right, but like to the point where I'm creating things that don't have to symbolize so much pain at all times, it can recognize the pain. Um, Because I think even in my work, I feel like right now it's primarily smiley faces and I'm just looking at it right now. And I think, you know, yes, on like first glance, it's very happy, but I also kind of started correlating it with, you know, the smiley face stickers that we as adults don't receive, or we as black people don't receive, or we as, you know, whoever, whatever you want to, you know, name in that moment doesn't receive like that good job like you're doing okay like even if it does feel oppressed even if it does feel like a negative space like you're still here and you're doing the thing and you know I think even those conversations aren't had a lot and I do feel like semi-isolated um in that space but I mean I really do love being an advocate for just like being who you are and not in like the Instagram you know, oh, be who you are, like, peace and love, like, it's very much like, be who you are, and like, meet yourself where you're at, Um, and I think even just, I just keep looking at my work, and I'm like, even in like, the fact that the smiley face is not printed, it is hand-drawn, it is very like, sometimes wobbly, sometimes thick, sometimes the eyes are crooked, sometimes, and I think, again, that intentionality with my work is like, what I almost want people to connect with the most, Okay, I'm going to fire off a few questions before we wrap up. Okay, perfect. How do you start your mornings? <laughs> I usually hop out of bed and like rush to the studio. I just love being here. So I just get here as fast as possible and order breakfast and get started. <laughs> Where do you get really breakfast a- from? Um, oh my God, I love Einstein bagels. Sponsor me. I will eat all the bagels. <laughs> Um, honestly, I typically eat bagels, plain, plain on plain or plain on butter. Every like, yes, literal, just basic love bagels. <laughs> that's great. I feel like I don't know, that's gotten lost on us for some reason. Oh, gluten. Maybe that's why oh, everybody's man. obsessed with not eating gluten. Well, I'm obsessed with eating bagels, so I'll eat your bagels. <laughs> Okay, what are daily tasks that you do in the studio? Um, I mean, everything, we've got such high production that we're doing everything at all times. So like I'll throw, trim, paint, kiln, fire, glaze, ship, all the things. So yeah, we've got like literally all processes happening right now. So today I actually am not doing anything. I'm just like sitting around. So yeah. But typically, that's what I do. <laughs> What's the most rewarding part of your day? Oh, lunchtime usually, but also throwing. I just I can throw all day long. 
Um, but definitely for those that don't know what is throwing. (laughs) Oh, throwing. Yes. Um, so that's where you're forming the vessel on the wheel. Um, I don't know why it's called that. I did learn once and then I forgot because it was pretty insignificant, but I mean, you do throw the clay on the wheel. So that's pretty rad when you like the first step is to literally like throw the clay in the middle. So I, I'm assuming here, but, um, yeah, it's when you just shape it. Um, so you start with like a ball of clay, you put it on the wheel and then you shape it into the uh, vessel, whatever you're creating. Okay. What is the number one book that you recommend to people oh. and, or that you gift people if you do that kind of thing? Yeah. I don't like to read. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to do? What do you like to consume? In what way do you consume? Um, yeah, honestly, I just listen to a fuck ton of music. I don't really have a favorite artist. I just let Spotify do its thing. Um, but yeah, I honestly was not the strongest reader when I grew up. And so honestly, I, I just never really like resorted back to reading. And also my ADHD is insanely out the roof at all times, like no coffee needed. And so I also don't really drink coffee, side note. But anyway, I just can't What do you focus. drink? I drink water <laughs> all the time. No uh, tea. Lots of water. Um, every once in a while, I do love an Earl Grey because it smells like Fruit Loops, and because I used to get I it in hotels as like a child. Love a OGG Earl Grey. Um, but typically just water. So I do have like Big Magic at my house that I've like tried to read a couple times. I do have Alex L's After the Rain. I love her. Um. And I also did buy Florence Gibbons' book, uh, Women Don't Owe You Pretty. But um, yeah, I just really like to look at the pictures. <laughs> sorry. I'm not sorry. Though. The honesty, though. The honesty. I love pictures. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say those are like my top books. Yeah. I you have really a partner, like... right? Or do you still uh, have yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. He's around Alex. How does yeah. Alex manage your creative endeavor? Uh, how do you manage together? How does that affect your relationship? Um, I mean, he just shows up here randomly with either food or hugs, and we just roll with it, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's been different. So I moved into my new studio maybe like two or three weeks ago, and so we're definitely still adjusting, um, but he's also in school full-time, so he's going to Texas State and – Um, yeah, we're recalibrating that, but yeah, usually I just have to really carve out time to be home, but we've been watching like movies. And as I mentioned, we were doing like printmaking, um, nights. And so, yeah, I think it's really cool being my own boss because I don't have a real schedule. I can kind of like do things as they come. And so, um, yeah, like I said today, I'm like kind of chilling today, but yeah, we just ebb and flow it for sure. It seems to be a a nice, solid theme of your life. Oh, yeah. Love that flow. (laughs) All right, Sequoia. If you could talk to yourself 10 years ago, 19-year-old Sequoia, what would you tell her? What advice would you give her? Mm. I would probably tell her um, to trust the answer she has.
Thank you.